Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above this very woo, shivery winter morning here in the Pacific Northwest as we sit in the shadow of the winter solstice if you're in the northern hemisphere. And if you're in the southern hemisphere, it's about to be your summer solstice. Maybe I'd like to trade for summer and winter. I don't know. I like winter, but I'm getting a little tired of the dark nights. And as you guys can see with me here this morning is a young lady named Corey Sykes. Hello, Corey. Hi, everybody. And it's great to have you with me. And she is joining me this morning uh, because two things. One, I think she is a really good example of something that we all must work through this year. And it's about magnetizing the things that we desire to us in our lives. And number two, she's a great example <clears throat> of someone who's chosen to live her passion, even at whatever cost it's going to take her to be able to do it. And I don't mean like her life has been totally disrupted, but the extra work or the focus that it takes to be able to do that. So welcome, Corey. And why don't you start by just giving us a quick uh, update on who you are, what your, what your background is, what your spiritual background is, and uh, then we'll start talking about what you do. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I usually am just in the comments talking and chatting a little bit. So it's nice to kind of be here with Janet physically or virtually or whatever. Virtually, um, physically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll have to excuse me. I have a, a bit of a cold. Um, that I'm kind of fighting through, but um, I started following Janet probably like not maybe just a little bit over a year ago. Um, I actually found you on a podcast. I was looking for astrology podcast. I found you through Google Podcast, and then um, oh. yeah. And so what happened was I kept uh, hearing you like comment and talk to people, and I'm like, well, how is she seeing these people, and how do I get in on that? And then that's when I just did like a search, and I found you on YouTube, and I was like, oh, this is even better. I get to you know chat live. So that's how I uh, actually got connected to to you on YouTube. Awesome. Um, yeah, but a little bit of, about me is um, I live um, in Cleveland. I have been writing for about 10 years now. Um, and probably in my whole story kind of starts where in uh, 20, what was it? 2018, my mother died. And um, so it was like really devastating. It was, um, it was out of the blue. It was very traumatic and long story short, like I didn't even know she had died even though she was in like a rehab center. Um, they never notified myself or my sister or anything like that. And so I went through uh, a, a long time of trying to grieve something that, you know, a lot of people have to grieve. But, you know, Janet, you can probably identify with this. Like, I didn't get to say goodbye. Um, and that's one of the things that is really hard for um, a lot of people when things are like unexpected and traumatic. And so I started just saying, OK, let me just get back to writing. And so I started writing again and I took some time off and then I ended up just kind of writing her story, just a very brief um, story of, uh, you know, the end of her life. And I released it. And then um, still trying to work through all of that. I decided to um, 
write, I, well, before that, I decided to open up a writer's center um, where people could kind of like write and come together and write in like a perfect environment because in Cleveland, um, it gets very cold. And uh, for me, I always love like writing outside and the sun shining, which you don't really get that. Can't and do so, that in the winter there. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and so um, I went through and I was planning and planning and planning. And then COVID happened. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, how do I, what am I going to do now? Because I can't open up this center. Um, I can't, you know, do any of that. And so I kind of just sat on that. And then I decided to just uh, do one of the other things, which was eventually going to be a part of the Writer Center, which was a publishing company. And I, I went ahead, I went forward and decided to go ahead and do that. And so I published somebody else's book. And um, it kept this inkling kept coming and saying, like, you know, write a children's book. And so I started like I got all these ideas and I then it still just didn't like feel right because I have gone through a space in my life where I'm like, I need to listen to my gut more because um, I forget what you said, but maybe I have like a spleen or something like that. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yours might be defined. I should have pulled yeah. your charts up. That's what I should have done this morning. Dang it. I can never remember, but there's something with my spleen where I'm supposed to like listen to my gut more. Um, and so I've been trying to listen to my, my gut more. And it was telling me that something with that children's book still wasn't right. Um, and so I kept thinking and sitting on it. And so I decided to put my mother into that book. And then it was like, it started feeling a little more, you know, more right. And then finally it was like, well, it needs to just be about adventures that your mother and your youngest daughter take together because they never got the chance to do that. Because when she died, my daughter was only like 13 months old or something like that. And so oh. they never got to like take adventures like she did with my oldest daughter. And so that's how my uh, my first children's book came into effect. This um, uh, cure, I have it right here. I don't know if anybody can see it. If I can work with you. <gasps> yes, curiously, Kara meets Pharaoh Hatshepsut. Yes, yeah. And so I had this like fallen in love with uh, Pharaoh Hatshepsut. She was the second female pharaoh. And she was just like incredible. And I don't know, like sometimes it's been popping up in my news. I have like a Google alert for her. And so they recently found some, um, like a pile of artifacts still in her um, uh, Jezer Jezeru. And so that's been interesting to kind of follow that. But she was amazing. She was incredible. She like initiated trade and all types of things. And so um, that was how this first book came about for the children's. And so I plan to continue it. And these are some of the illustrations. Those are beautiful. Here, I hold on. I'm going to try to get my screen to be just you. Let me see if oh. I can do that. Well, I see myself wider now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I pushed the screen back. But now let's see. Oh, now it's just me. I don't want to be just me. Yeah. How does it get to be just you? Okay, now share because it is wider now again. So share. Yeah. Like those are beautiful um, uh, illustrations. Yeah, thank you. I worked with a local illustrator here. And so what I did was I found, um, I just found like some um, 
some actual pictures of like the temples and everything online. And then I had him just uh, go ahead and like recreate them, you know, in a, a children's yeah. artistic way so that they could be explained. And I just briefly just say, you know, there's, this is them taking their journeys together. It's my way of just commemorating it. And also uh, the name, I, it kind of says that it's written by Karen May. That was my mom's name. Her name was Karen, Karen May. And so I decided and you, that- Are you gonna write all those books under that name? I am, yeah. Right. All, all the children's book I'm going to write under her name. She always wanted to be an author. And so I figured this was a way to kind of not only commemorate and remember her, but just for her to live out a dream that she she didn't uh, actually get to see to fruition. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Now, uh, Corey, have you always wanted to be an author? I mean, was this like a dream that you had, but couldn't quite bring it into fruition until a certain time or- yeah, so it's crazy because even as a kid, I always wanted to write. I always, I would write these little short stories like on the back of a notebook and then I would just kind of toss them out and I never shared them with anybody. And it wasn't until I wrote, I was in college. Um, I was studying for, because my, my full-time job, I am a financial analyst. And so I was studying in accounting and I just got this inkling to just keep writing. And I just started writing and it turned out into a full book, um, which I um, I self-published and that was like in 2011, but I wasn't totally supported back then by, by my ex-husband who like wouldn't read it and kept saying, you know, those types of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that didn't really go anywhere until um, I met my now husband. <laughs> And he just encouraged me to to publish it, and I did so. I self published it, um, and from then I've kind of taken like some breaks. Life has been really hard <laughs> um, since probably like 2015. No, I'm not even gonna say like really hard since 2015, but there's been a lot of major like blows. And once you know, there was a, a cool thing during that time. I got to meet my my biological father, so that was probably like. And I had my daughter. So that was two of the really good things. But other than that, it's two just highlights. Like, yeah, two highlights. But after that, it's just been like blow after blow, of like serious things happening. Um, but now I'm like, since probably last year, I'm really like serious into it now. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Here's the key, though, that the reason why I was so fascinated by your story in the first place is that even though all of these things were happening, you know, your mother passing away and every other, you know, a divorce is not an easy thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't remember what all the other things were that went through and you don't have to ca uh, catalog those for us. But the point is that you didn't give up on your passion. Yeah. Right. You knew that there, you know, there were things that were distracting you or pulling you off in different directions, but you didn't give up your dream. Yes. And that's the thing that I really want people to understand is that you don't have to give up on your dream just because uh, somebody that you love passes away or a divorce happens or a financial setback happens or a health scare happens. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's like they can, those things are, will slow you down seriously. And that's okay because it's like, it's life and you have to deal with it because if you don't deal with it, it's like in the future, it's going to just kind of catch you and just sit you back down anyway. Um, so you have to deal with those things. And, and you know, that that's life. I work with a lot of writers and, 
they all kind of get discouraged when things happen and they can't write for like a day or two or, you know, a day turns into a month. And I'm like, well, you know, that's life. Life is going to keep throwing you little curveballs. But if this is really something that you want to do, eventually you pick that, you, you know, you pick back up the pen or you put your fingers back to the keyboard and uh, you just keep going. And don't like beat yourself up about it <laughs> because like, exactly. <laughs> go with the flow, right? Go with the yeah, flow. Yeah. Now, did you start the publishing company in order to publish your own books or did that just happen organically? Because it sounds like you pub- started the publishing company, published someone else's book mm-hmm. and then published your own. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. So I had a book that I published, a couple ones that I've written like a long time ago, just mm-hmm put them out on Amazon. Um, But then I started the publishing company just because I just felt led to do that. I wanted to keep going with the writer center, but I knew I didn't want to open it up um, and bring people together to like congregate with this virus going on. And so the way that I saw that I could do that was to at least help them publish their own books because uh, a lot of us get like looked over and it's hard just kind of navigating that whole system. I drew out like a, a map one time of like the publishing system and how everything, there are all these moving parts. And it's really difficult for a lot of people, especially like debut authors to navigate. They don't know where to go and where to start. So I did publish somebody else's book first because I didn't actually have anything to publish at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a, this was the first book of what is going to be a series. Is that correct? Yeah. I just love this idea of a grandmother sharing with her granddaughter these adventures, starting with Egypt or wherever it goes next. And uh, uh, w- where are you going next? Or where is your your granddaughter going next in this uh, book? Oh, it looks like she's frozen. Corey, if you can still hear me, you might have to go out and come back in. Uh, because it appears that you're, you're frozen. It's I'm moving, right? I'm moving. Um, so let's see somebody, Asa. Ah, good morning, Asa. Would you please tell me whether you see Corey frozen? I see her frozen and I can't hear her. Um, please let me know that in the chat, somebody. In the meantime, while we wait for Corey to come back with us, um, I'm going to Yes, she paused. Okay, good. So she'll come back in and join us here in just a minute. Uh, I just want to say good morning to everybody. We have Christine. Good morning. She says, I would have loved that book as a little kid. Uh, J-Lo thinks it's beautiful. Pauline, ooh, she listener to, yes, she is a listener to um, Living Astrology. She started, she said, about a year ago listening to the show and via a podcast and then found me on YouTube and has been listening. Good morning, Tom Wright. It's good to see you. Good morning, Carol. Good to have you with us. And uh, Christine Buckingham, I think I said hello, but if I didn't, good morning to you. And Asa, of course, it's wonderful to have you. Corey says, I lost my internet. Sorry, I'll come back in soon. Thank you very much for letting me know that, Corey. And um, uh, I'll see you pop up if you come back in, because what I would really love to hear about is where uh, your uh, books go next. And uh, we'll talk more about that. So uh, again, good morning to everybody that's joining us and she froze. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks, Asa. And thanks, Christine. Um, so let's talk about some astrology. And I, I just have to start by telling you guys, we held 
our family Christmas yesterday. And on Saturday, it was my daughter's birthday and my stepdaughter's birthday. So we were partying, it seemed, all weekend. And I just have to say, it was an exquisitely joyful and painful weekend. So much happening. My nephew, who's been stationed in Kuwait for the last uh, 19 months, maybe 18 months, surprised us all by coming home. And uh, Christopher looks so much like Brian. It was almost like Brian walked in the door. And yet, you know, we were just so thrilled to have uh, Christopher home. And then I was sitting on the floor playing with Wyatt, my youngest grandson, grandson, Brian's son, and we were playing animals. And next thing, my, my, my uh, daughter's boyfriend is down on one knee and he's sort of like next to me. Um, but he is proposing to my daughter and the whole family was like, oh my God, we were just transfixed by this. So we had a homecoming, we had uh, a proposal, we celebrated Christmas, we celebrated my other son, Wesley's uh, first upcoming first anniversary, but we were all going to be on vacation when he has his anniversary. So it was Oh, it was an amazing, amazing time, right, to, to be with family. And it makes me realize that even out of the depth of pain that not only, you know, our family is feeling, but lots of families are feeling out there, um, there's cause for celebration, right? Life goes on and our loved ones are not gone. They're just not here in the physical anymore. We felt his presence the whole time that we were together and we saw his face and every other person's face there. It, it was an amazing experience. We cried, we laughed, we ate, we made jokes, we opened presents. We, it was a great day. So it was a great weekend for that. And I'm hoping and wishing that all of you are able to uh, experience that in this holiday. And I see Corey is back waiting to be added to the stream. Hello and welcome back. <laughs> Thanks, Janet. I don't even know what happened. Um, you but just I froze from our point of view. You froze. <laughs> and then I went, Oh, am I frozen? I'm moving. Oh, I'm not frozen. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. My internet is so wonky. Uh, but I was, I had my phone up and I was listening to the story. And congratulations <laughs> to your daughter. That's so amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it was, it was amazing because none of us knew. None of us knew. And uh, what's funny about that is I had just done her solar return because her birthday was on Saturday. And while we were doing it, her um, now fiance was sitting in the room and I could see this potential for marriage, but I didn't want to say that. I, I was like totally tongue tied around it because he was sitting there and I didn't want to like, you know, predispose or, you know, like say, oh, hey, get off the, you know get on the bus, get, get going. Uh, so it was so funny when it happened because I was like, Oh, I should have said it. I should have said it. But anyway, it was great. Um, okay. Let's go back to what we were talking about because I, I started to ask you about the fact that this was a series. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the, um, the, the, your, your character in the book is Kara. Is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. So I forgot to mention that. So it's, uh, Kara, Kara is, oop, there's that uh, mirror effect. 
Kara, <laughs> I can't work that whole mirror thing. But um, Kara is my my youngest daughter, so the character is based off of her. And then um, the mother is also is you know my mother. And then there's a cat. Uh, the cat Daisy is my actual cat, except in the book she talks. She's totally opposite than what you mean she. Your cat is. doesn't talk in real life. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you've got the three main characters, and they're yeah. basically on a on a travel uh, to mm -hmm. ancient Egypt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're um, so in my um, in my readings. You've also said like I'm like a teacher, and so like I do I do teach other writers, but also this book is like a teaching series, and so it's meant to teach kids about things that you know that they wouldn't learn in school so that's why this first one they're learning about pharaoh hatshepsut and then um there'll be two more in this series and that's the african queen series and then from there i hope to go into um astronomy stress slash like mythology um i want to introduce the children to um the mythological figures that are over the planets, so like Jupiter and uh, Uranus and Pluto. I I'm still trying to figure out how to do that because some of the uh, <laughs> some of them have interesting stories. Uh, <laughs> so right. how to do that without like uh, harming these kids' minds? <laughs> right, right, right. We put you, you take the theme of the planet, like say for Pluto, the the the, the theme might be power, right? And how do we yeah. stay, what does it mean to have power? What does it mean to be empowered mm -hmm. without going through necessarily the Hades uh, <laughs> underworld uh, trip? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's totally doable and I love that idea. I don't think anybody's ever done that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it just came to me because I, I like found it so intriguing. I was like, wait, like there were, you know, these mythological figures are, they're not, the planets are not just named Jupiter and, you know, Saturn right. just right. because like they're actually named after mythological figures for, for certain reasons. And so I'd like to just kind of dive into that and teach the kids why. Oh, I think that is so fabulous. Now, uh, I know like that you're selling them through mm -hmm. your publishing company and how do people connect to your publishing company to be able to get your book? Oh yeah, they're everywhere. Um, so they can get them like on Amazon. Um, mm -hmm. They're also on my website, Write and Vibe, and that's like W-R-I-T-E-A-N-D-B-I-B-E. -E. So it's writeandvibe.com. Right, um, but oh, yeah, right easiest, and vibe. Yeah, but the easiest way I think for everybody is just to just like go to Amazon, which is, which I'm totally fine with. Um, however, if you do go through my website, I do sign the book and before I send it, I can't, obviously I can't sign them if they're coming from Amazon. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so write com, right? Yep. Yep. That's correct. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know why it just gave me an error when I put that there, uh, I think it, there's something going on with Facebook. So on if you're on YouTube listening, uh, I just posted the link in the chat and I didn't put www there. So hopefully it does it for you. If not, just highlight it and uh, copy paste it into the address browser. And, uh, and I guess it does make sense since you are uh, self-publishing the book, it doesn't matter in terms of how much you, know, you earn from Amazon or not, right? Because yeah, it's all going no. through Amazon. Right. Yeah. Everything no. is just 
For me, it's all the same <laughs> because yeah. the way it works is like Amazon, there's like a, a list. And so when people buy off of Amazon, you can make like a, you get bumped up into their, their, um, their categories, higher up on the categories, like their list. So, um, uh, which was cool because when I first released it, it was, um, a number one new bestseller. So that was pretty cool. I'd oh, never made wonderful. any list before. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe there are bigger things in your future because, yeah. you know, if you start publishing more through your own publishing company, you can gain some credibility there mm -hmm. and uh, be, you know, a shining beacon out there for not only women, but women of color, people mm -hmm. of color. That yeah. I think is the biggest, you know, because I know you had to have come up against obstacles. Now, mm -hmm. how did you deal with those? Because I think everybody out there listening has a dream. Everybody out there has some kind of thing that they've wanted to do. And then life has intervened, mm -hmm. right? Somehow pushes them in a different direction or blocks, right? And then we might be giving up our dream. How did you get through those times and not give up on your dream? Um, so I like to say it's because I'm an Aries. I just don't give up. <laughs> I, I really, I, I've never known how else to describe it other than that. Like, other than just like the way I was born. Um, I just, I don't give up when I have like this idea in my head, I have to, I have to see it through. Um, sometimes it's not the right time. As you've told me, I have to learn to, uh, respond, um, to what the environment is saying, but, and I'm, I'm working on that, but it's always just like, I don't give up. And that's just because obviously because I'm an Aries, but also because the way I was raised, I've always found this, uh, like there's better for me than how I was, you know, the, how I came up and how I was mm -hmm. raised. Uh, we grew up in poverty. We didn't have a lot. And so because of that, it's like, well, I saw that I could, you know, have more and I could do better. Um, and so I just keep pushing on. Um, and I like to just tell everybody, like, you know, don't give up. If, if it's meant to be, it'll be maybe not right at that time. And so because I'm just like, well, maybe it's not the time. Maybe next month is the time or maybe next year. And I'm not going to act like I don't, you know, get discouraged a lot, um, you know, sometimes because I do. I get discouraged um, for different reasons, but I just keep going. And what do you do when you get dis discouraged? Um, usually I cry. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good relief, crying, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, so uh, after crying, I usually come up with a game plan and I, I like to evaluate and kind of research things like, well, what am I doing that's not working? And so usually it's like, well, maybe you could try a different marketing plan or maybe you could start uh, talking to other people. Maybe you could reach out to some other people. Maybe you could read it back over and see if there's anything that could be changed that that could be made better. So it's always like a way to improve something that I'm doing. Yeah. Um, now tell me what age group is that book aimed at that series um, that you're going to do? Yeah. So this age group, I think it's like four to 10 or six to 10, something like that. Okay. Um, yeah, I would say like four to 10. Um, I've had children that are in my age group that, that do love it. You know, it, it has to be read by an adult because there are some, some challenging words in there because of course this is Egypt and there are some challenging words, but I did, um, let me see. 
I did put a um, a definitions page in there oh, and a definitions page um, because it's it's difficult to pronounce words like Jezer Jezeru and things like that because yeah. it's spelled like D J E S C R. I think I might even be misspelling it just now. It might be with a Z. No, it is. It's with an S. Um, and even like as much as many times as I read it and pronounced the words, even I would still have trouble saying it just every now and then. And it's because you're like, it's like you're learning a whole different language. <laughs> right. right. But you know what? That's the teacher in you. Yeah. <laughs> the teacher in you puts in a children's book a glossary of terms. I love it. <laughs> and by the way, I did pull up your uh, human design chart. And you do have a defined spleen. So for you, the spontaneity of following your intuition puts you in on the right track to okay. making the best decisions for you. <laughs> um, but lest people out there think that, oh, I'm not an Aries. I can't be a self-starter or, or mm -hmm. I can't do the same things when I get discouraged. That is so not true. Yes, mm -hmm. Corey is an Aries and there's this natural effervescence and this boldness and courage, but mm -hmm. every one of you has Aries in your chart. Right. So somewhere in your chart, you have the fortitude, you have the courage, you have the bravery, you have the boldness that it takes to move forward in your life when life throws you curveballs and or lemons, right? To make lemonade or to learn how to catch the curveball. And that's the whole point. And uh, I'm wondering, Corey, why did you decide to self-publish? How did that come about? Um, oh, yeah. So I think we kind of got into this. Just, you kind of hinted at this question earlier. It's because, um, one, I didn't know a lot. So I had to go and start researching things. Um, mm -hmm. However, I, once I started researching things, I did start to see a pattern which is that a lot of uh, Black people and people of color are uh, ostracized from the traditional publishing world. And so like the traditional publishing world is like the big five in New York. Um, there's also some big ones that are in like California. Um, and one of the main reasons is that they don't know how to sell our books, right? So they say, oh, well, Black people don't read. So therefore, we don't know how many will sell. We don't sell that many. And so they don't like to take us on. And that's just like one of the reasons. There's a lot of the other reasons. Um, so like, uh, for example, there was this huge thing on Twitter where it was like uh, traditionally published authors were sharing their, um, their advances. So how much they received as an advance. And so there mm. was a theme where, of course, the Black people, even Black people who had um, been traditionally published, had like five books by one of the big five um, publishing companies. Their advance was, uh, I want to say, oh, I can't even remember the amount, but it was a significant um, amount lower than it, um, a white woman who had uh, published the very first time. She was a debut author, and she received a much higher advance for her very first book than the black woman who on um, she was like on her fifth book and she was still like her advance was way lower. Yeah. Um, so there's um there's that there's a there's just a lot of things that go into um how many books they'll sell like the bottom line. And so that's all they're worried about is well how many books are we going to sell because we need to make a lot of money. Um Whereas myself as a publisher, I'm not so much worried about that. I'm just worried about like, well, 
I just want to help you tell your story because every right, story right. deserves told. So that's why I'm here. And I opened up my publishing company. I love it. I love it. And again, right, that could have been something that you used that to become discouraged, uh, to not even try, right, to not try to put your books out there. You just went around. Mm-hmm. One of the things we do in life, right, is yeah. that if we find a block or something that we're coming up against, then to go with the flow means that maybe I just have to go around, right? Yeah. I create a yeah. little oxbow in the river and I go a different direction. Yeah, um, yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect. And, you know, not not fighting against that system, although I would say there's, you know, some merit in people who want to, you know, push that system mm-hmm. to change. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in your case, just fo- following your passion. Mm-hmm. And okay, if I need to do it this way, that's the way I'm going to do it. Not giving up because the mountain seems so high. Right. Yeah, yeah. I just... I don't give up. And if I do keep saving, receiving like blockages after blockages, I do evaluate and kind of look, you know, pray about it and see about like, is this really a block that I need to just stop what I'm doing? Yeah. Um, What does this block represent? Is this coming from within me or is this the universe showing me that this isn't the way to go or the thing to do at this time? Lots can go into that. Yeah. Yeah. And I do get that. Right. Yeah. And I do want to say that after that thing on Twitter came out, um, a lot of the publishing companies did commit to making changes in the way that they um, take on new authors and especially like authors of color. So I do want to say that they have like totally tried tried to and are trying to um, change that kind of path and stuff like that. So they're committed. You are an amazing (laughs) young woman. (laughs) Amazing, amazing. Living her passion. You know, and the reason I, I like to bring people on like this, like Corey, is um, it, it just means that if she can do it, you could do it, right? If, if I can do it, you can do it. And that there is always energy out there to live your passion, right? You just have to not give up on yourself. You didn't give up on yourself. No matter what, you were going to be a writer, Right. Even if you had to self-publish it yourself. Right. If you had to. Get it yourself, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, right. It, 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 it's an amazing, uh, an amazing book, an amazing um, dream that you have. And I'm going to encourage everybody out there as we kind of transition now into some of the astrology. By the way, thank you so much, Corey, for sharing your work and your dream and your your path with us all. And yeah, I invite you, you to stay here and maybe chime in on uh, some of the astrology that we're going to talk about right now, because today is our day to look forward to the winter solstice or the summer solstice. If you're uh, uh, in the uh, Southern hemisphere and it is an interesting solstice, you know, we can as astrologers draw up a chart uh, for the ingress of a season or at the ingress of uh, a sign. And it's always a good time, right? At the seasons to take a look at the charts Um, that comes up for that and take a look ahead at what some of those energies are about. Well, the first thing I looked at in the chart and I'm going to see if I can, oh no, this is just going to have to be the way it is. If you look at this chart, you can see I drew a bold line right from the noon position to the 6 PM position on the chart. And then you'll notice that almost all the energy of the chart is on that side, right? So there's the moon on the, the right side and the black moon Lilith on the right side and the part of fortune, but all of the other players are in what is called the Eastern hemisphere of the chart. 
And so the first pattern that I know is that woo, for the season, we start out with a lot of energy all on one side. And the Eastern hemisphere of a chart tends to more optimism, hopefulness, and a more trusting nature for the people and that, that there's a positive direction for the world to go in. The uh, energy on that Eastern hemisphere is more self-motivated. It's more initiating energy, both initiating from the self, but also in the bigger, wider collective or the bigger, wider world. And it is action oriented. So we can see from the just the design of the chart for that day at the moment that the summer, the sun comes to zero degrees Capricorn, uh, that we have the potential to move forward from that soul in the solstice. By the way, the solstice occurs at 7.59 a.m. tomorrow morning here on the West Coast. Uh, that'll be, what, 10.59 a.m. for those of you on the East Coast. If you are in Europe in the universal time zone, that is 15.59, so 3.59 p.m. So almost everybody is going to experience the solstice tomorrow and at some time or another. And I chose to look at the solstice in different modalities today. So I first looked at it through the Pleiadian Earth energy. So, right, we knew that we were starting a new week. So today is the beginning of the week one transcending. And in transcending energy, what we're looking at is the energy of how do we move ahead. And even like, Corey, it's almost your journey right? Your journey is a transcension, right? Of moving through the obstacles, moving around the obstacles, going over the obstacles, under them if I need to, whatever the obstacles are. And so transcending energy is helping us to move forward, even in the face of obstacles. Well, when we get to the winter solstice tomorrow, we are at two remembering energy. It is my spiritual birthday tomorrow. My own sign is two remembering. I went, Wow, I didn't even know that. So tomorrow we start the season with two things. One, the energy of how do we seal or heal the energy of duality? How do we honor duality? The idea of polarization. How do we come to terms with the fact that there's always going to be the dark and the light? There's always going to be the up and the down, the in and the out. But it's not that we focus on one or the other, but how do we see them as just different sides of the same coin, right? So duality, always dealing with that. But the remembering energy invites us to remember who we are and why are we here and to create a pathway of love and peace and to be able to be more uh, loving and kind and compassionate and generous to our fellow human beings who are all on the same path as we are, experiencing the same highs and the same lows, maybe not all at the, sa at the same time you are. Um, hopefully, we're not all experiencing those lows at the same time or even the highs at the same time so that we can maintain a sort of balance. And there's an inner strength in the energy of remembering that we can all tap into for the season ahead, remembering about what it means to have the, the, the four legs of, of a pillar, right? To be the strength of the pillars, to be able to uh, have from that strength to move outward into the world. So we start the winter solstice on two remembering, which I think is an extraordinary backup 
to the eastern horizon or the eastern hemisphere uh, focus that's going to bring optimism and hopefulness and trusting and being able to be vulnerable and to still be able to um, live our lives in the highest uh, energy possible. Now, I'm going to start something different here. I don't know if Ursula's out there with us this morning. I hope she is. She would get a kick out of this. I don't see her, but Ursula, if you're out there listening, I'm going to start it this morning talking about star lines. And I know this is going to be new for a lot of you, but we're actually going to start talking about this more and more as we go into the new year. When I get back from my vacation, I'm going to start offering personal star lines reports, which tell you about what the stars are doing in your own natal chart. And I'm not talking about the planets, right? I'm not talking about, you know, the sun, the moon and earth and all of that. We're talking about the fixed stars. So we're going back to the ancient roots of astrology, where it was the stars that the ancients observed that were fixed, right? They, they could predict that every season at a certain time, a certain star was going to rise on the eastern horizon or one that was going to be setting on the western horizon. And so they began to correlate those fixed stars with things that were happening in their world. And such as in Egypt, Corey, did you know in Egypt, the star Sirius, when it rises, and that's called a heliacal rising, they knew that it was the time when the Nile would flood. So it predicted a time of fertility and of planting and a, a season where things would grow and prosper. It was an abundance. So when they saw Sirius rising, that's what it predicted for them, abundance and a time for fertility. So if we take a look at a season, so if we take a, a look at a birth chart, any birth chart, you're going to have two main features of your chart. One is the helical rising star. It is the gift or the jewel or the treasure which your ancestors are blessing you with in this uh, incarnation. And it sometimes so shows up that that star becomes the theme of your life. And it helps you to build your beliefs and your philosophies, who you're going to be. And sometimes even the heliacal rising star becomes a vocational pulse. So it can kind of predict, if you will, like what kind of vocation or career might best suit you or what you might be really good at. So our heliacal rising star tomorrow is Antares. And Antares is a bright star at the heart of the scorpion. Oh, I do have my book sitting here. So I can kind of show you uh, from the point of view of what the uh, constellation looks like, where the star is. Boy, there's a lot of stars that start with A. Did you know that? <laughs> so here we go. Here's uh, the heart of the scorpion. I can't make that look very clear maybe, but. Uh, the star is Antares, and it is at the heart of the scorpion. And uh, so Antares right here, right smack in the middle. Now, Janet, does this, um, does this star line kind of focus on comets too? I know you've mentioned like a comet a couple of times. Is, are comets included with the stars? I don't think they are, and not in the, the books that I've looked at, because car comets have a periodicity about them. So for example, Halley's Comet comes back, I think it is every 83 or 84 years. So it's not always in, it, it's always in the sky, but the ancients wouldn't have always been able to see it. 
So I think when a comet appeared, it was often a portent of something and probably greeted with some fear because like, where did this newcomer come from? Like for us as modern people, the other day when suddenly Comet Johnson showed up in the sky, I mean, we knew it was coming, right? We knew our astronomers knew, but they didn't know that we'd be able to see it, right? There was no prediction that it was gonna suddenly brighten and be visible. But if it suddenly becomes visible, can you imagine in the ancient world what those people might have, how they might have looked at that? And I think maybe depending on what's going on in their society at the time, maybe it was a predictor of an overthrow of a government or the death of a leader or famine coming or, I mean, they might have looked at it as, you know, the God's displeasure or something like that. So I think they only used it in the per period of time that the comet might have appeared because they don't appear at the same level where every season a certain star is rising and a certain star is overhead or a certain star is setting. So it would have been more difficult for them for that. But certainly, I, can you imagine being in ancient Egypt and suddenly a comet or a, a meteor or something like that, an asteroid incoming? That might have been very scary for them. Now, when we look at the star at the helical rising for the winter then, or the summer, depending on where you are in the world, uh, the heart of the scorpion, it's one of the great stars of the sky. It is a royal star of Persia. And as a royal star of Persia, it was called the Watcher of the West, but it's rising, right? It's rising on the east, but it was called the Watcher of the West. And it portended great success. It portended that you might take and let success go to your head and then it becomes the, the uh, self undoing. So we have to be careful here that we don't let our successes go to our head and we just relax and not keep going, right? We can experience this success, but we need to keep moving. We need to keep moving with it. Um, but success often in this particular, uh, with this particular star also generated a sort of cleansed feeling, a sort of life, death, rebirth kind of feeling. So I, I feel like it almost takes on a bit of the phoenix uh, mythology. And uh, it also can confer great focus ability for us. But does that focus ability become obsession? Does it become a ruthless or abrasive way of moving ahead? So we can see in the mythology of this star, we can get great success, or we may let that success become something of an obsession. So we have to find the balance with this star. Then we also have a heliacal setting star. The heliacal uh, setting star is a gift or a treasure given to you by your spirit, your soul, sort of carried with you into this lifetime. It has also been um, characterized as what we are reaching for in this life. What is our spiritual path? And so it has a more um, internal focus, a more, um, you know, inner world sort of look. And the star that is on the setting is called El Nath. And it is, uh, it, it's called the Horn of Taurus. I should have looked it up to see if we could see a picture of where that is as well. Um, and it's a, a great and powerful, get this, weapon, or is it a great and powerful tool? And it made me think about things like, how do we weaponize words? How do we weaponize a, 
how do we take a problem that's occurring in the world, like COVID, right? Co let's just COVID, right? Let's use COVID. And how has that been weaponized? Not literally as in somebody, uh, some government weaponizing the virus and, you know, spreading it, but how has it become a weapon of division for us in our countries where there's the vaxxers, the non-vaxxers, right? There's the people who believed, at least in the initial, that it was, you know, not real, that it was some made up thing. And then those people who were like, oh no, this is real. Uh, it, it became a weapon, right? It, it divided us. And so we have the potential here. So the horn of, of um, I think what they're, yeah, Elnath sits right here at the horn of, of the constellation. So I got to move over. It's hard when I've got two people here. There we go. Uh, finger over here, El Nath, right here at the tip of the horn of Taurus. So the constellation Taurus, it is a star in the constellation right at the tip of the bull's horn. So think of the mythology and the um, the the uh, illustration here, right? It's the horn and what is the bull's horn about? It's a weapon, right? It can be a weapon. So we have the use or the non-use of weapons, Right. So every, so we can either choose to use something that happens in our world as a weapon against each other, or we can use that as a, a way to bring us together. It's all going to be in how we use whatever it is that shows up in the world. Right. Are we going to let it tear us apart? Are we going to let it smash our dreams? Are we going to let that one thing that happens that block cause us to crush in and not do what we love? Or are we going to rise up and be able to move through it? Um, so it has it has a sort of energy that, uh, you know how sometimes when things get in our way, little kids, you'll see this often, they'll do it. They'll destroy everything. Like they'll knock down the whole tower of their blocks uh, because, you know, one little thing broke off or one little thing started to fall. So we have to curb the impulsiveness to destroy and instead look to how we can strengthen or rebuild. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic that we have here uh, at the winter solstice. Do we, do we take the gifts of Antares, right? The ability to uh, regenerate and to, re, uh, to experience a rebirth and to focus on what's positive and bright and hopeful and optimistic? Or are we going to focus on all the negative things? I was just touring through the news this morning. And of course, everything is about Omicron, Omicron, the, the next um, COVID mutation. And I'm like, you know what you're doing, you're focusing us or people who would read the news, you're focusing on the problem, not on the solution. And you're, you're almost predisposing us to create more of, of, the focus. And I'm not saying it's not out there. I'm not saying it's not real, but what are we choosing to focus on? That's the important part. Are we going to focus on how horrible it is that there's yet another mutation and more people are going to get sick, more people might die, or are we going to focus on how it is that we can move through this time? We should be experts at this by now, people, right? We should be experts on dealing with COVID because <laughs> we've not been dealing with it just since yesterday. <laughs> we've been dealing with it for a couple of years now. So we know what to do. We know how to stay healthy. We know how to heal ourselves even. So we have the power. That's the key. Now, when we look at the uh, chart, uh, again, we're not just looking, we're looking at the Eastern hemisphere because it has a lot of focus, but we can also look at 
um, the 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 astronomical or astrological things that are happening. For example, on December 23rd, just two days after the winter solstice, we have the next exact square of Saturn to Uranus. We're experts at this one too. (laughs) We've done this, right? We've had the craziest things happen coming up out of the blue that have created the possibility uh, that, you know, our lives have been changed forever, right? That we've had the the surprise or the un, uh, unexpected happen and, and we've been we've dealt with it so we have the next saturn uh square uranus and in the chart of the winter solstice it is happening in the 12th house and the third house and what i got from that as i just looked at that it was like shaking loose the fears of the mind right we get we get the opportunity with this square this struggle that ensues to choose what it is we're going to focus our energy on what are we going to focus our thoughts on are we going to focus on oh no here we go another iteration of this virus that's going to take out another million people or are we going to focus on how it is that we can rise to this occasion how can we help one of the things that we can help is by keeping ourselves healthy and remembering that we are our own healers too, right? I'm not saying don't get vaccines. I'm not saying don't do, you know, what you need to do, um, but take the power back from this little teeny virus. Take it back. It's yours. Um, we might also experience some financial or banking uh, news. So I, I'm, I'm open to whether that turns out to be a financial uh, boom or does it turn out to be a financial bust? I'm not sure here. The square tends to show us where the weaknesses are. So we might find exposure in the weaknesses in our currency, in our stock market. Uh, we might find even the cryptocurrencies that started to fall. I, I'm watching them carefully because I love cryptocurrency. And I've been watching how greed has impacted the crypto markets just as it did does the stock market and then i saw how it also impacted the the whole of that market and so it's an opportunity maybe for us to not go the way of the old uh saturn and jupiter conjunctions in earth and instead go the saturn and jupiter in air which gives us ideas and possibilities and let's go of the greed and I have to have all the toys and I have to amass all of the prosperity to me and then I have to hold on to it tightly. We're done with those days. It's time to move on. And air is everywhere, right? And it's shared everywhere, right? (laughs) So we have this opportunity to change that up. It's also a time for us to break free. What are you breaking free from? right, where the Saturn-Uranus conjunction or a square is happening is where you are also able to break free. It's possible that you've also heard this theme more than once. In fact, two other times that maybe you've been living through this theme. The really good news is that after this square or after this year, because really they're within orb of each other for the whole of the year, um, the next series of of Saturn Uranus squares doesn't happen until 2043, right? That'll leave us alone for a while. Yeah, that it's it's another one of those cycles that comes regularly every 25 years. So 
um, we don't have to deal with it again for a while. So be happy with that. But take this opportunity to let yourself become free of something, right? Liberate yourself from old beliefs, old patterns, old grievances, old philosophies, letting go of um, just whatever it is that's held you back. Lastly, we can look at the um, uh, Venus conjunct Pluto that happens on Christmas Day. We talked a lot about this. So if this is familiar to you and this is happening in the sign of Capricorn. So we have a Saturn sort of energy here with it. And you, Corey, said this word several times, evaluate. And value is the root in here, right? It's evaluate. Eight, right? So the act of evaluating or reestablishing value. So uh, a theme inherent in Venus and Pluto coming together and Venus in retrograde right now and Venus and Pluto both in Capricorn is to restructure our world, our lives around our values, our shared values. If we can view that, then skin color doesn't matter. Sex doesn't matter social status doesn't matter because we're all the same, right? We're all the same and we're all looking, we all value the same things. So, I mean, we can all have little different values, but if we go to the common core values, that's where we can find our compassion and our humanity, right? And our compassion and humanity becomes a huge theme as of tomorrow because the human design year, actually today, this evening, switches to the gates that are one of the crosses or vessels of love. So we begin a week's worth of energy devoted to finding love. And the gate 10 is where the sun will be at. And that's on the identity center. That is either a white diamond or a yellow diamond in your human design. The gate 10 is the gate of self-love, self-empowerment, in its lower energy, it's the gate of blaming or judgment, self-judgment, like I blew it, I did that wrong, or I can't do this, giving up on oneself. Um, being responsible for your own self, your own actions, your own victim status, right? Looking and seeing where it is that you still do things that are not of self-empowerment or not self-loving so that you can return yourself to the energy of self-love. The earth is going to be the challenge, right? Earth always brings the challenge to us. What might challenge us uh, to become self-loving? What might stand in the way of our becoming self-loving? And that might be about having compassion because the earth will be at the gate 15, also on the identity center, which by the way, the purpose of that center is all about love and direction. And following the direction is based on where love is, right? Where's that loving energy in your life? Compassion and sharing from the heart, trusting your own flow and your own rhythm. Corey, I think you said the same thing is that, okay, something's happening right now that's stopping me from moving forward. So I can choose to kind of pause here and see what's opening up, waiting as it were, until I get the next sign or the next, you know, go green light and go in that new direction. So we have to learn to trust that we all have a different flow and a different rhythm and that extremes are also a part of nature. This gate in particular can have extreme um, expressions, 
right? Where high or low or, you know, hot in the hotter than hot ever in the summer and colder than cold ever in the winter. Extremes are also a part of the natural flow of the universe. You've, we've, we've even got terms in our uh, vocabulary, feast or famine, right? We've got these ideas that we know that there's these times of extremes. And during a time of extreme, what we do is do what feels right, what feels like the most sincerest and most um, integrity-filled way of being in the moment. What is going to serve me the most, but also serve humanity the most. And at times, we in this whole time period, because the moon is very activated in the uh, winter solstice chart by its opposition, it's going to be in Cancer, 27 degrees, one second of Cancer, one minute of Cancer. Uh, it's going to be right across from the Pluto-Venus conjunction, and we may be feeling the loss, the missing of in our families, uh, our friends, those that we've lost or the things that we've lost throughout the year. And it'll be a reminder for us to bring back the love, right? Yesterday in our family, it was so obvious we were missing someone, but there was the timing for us to be able to focus on what we do have, not on what we lost, but what we honored our losses. We honored what was no longer here in the physical, but we also honored what it is that we have now. And I think that's the biggest takeaway message for all of us. We've lost We've been through hell. Um, we may still have yet more of that to go through. But if we focus on what we have, if we focus on what is in our hearts, what we love, then we can begin to see sort of the cracks in um, the, the old paradigm shifting and we can choose to move forward into the new paradigm. Beautiful, beautiful, right? Um, I'm sorry we didn't have a lot of time to do questions today. Um, but let's see real quickly, Christine, Janet, do we all have one specific star that guides us astrologically? Uh, yes, we do. Yes, you do. And it also changes at various periods of your life. Imagine my surprise when I looked that up and there were these periods of life that were, uh, which we also see in human design, anywhere you have the line six, you have these three phases of life. Um, the birth to 30, the 30 to 60, and then the 60 and over. And there you have it, right? We have three sets of stars that guide our youth, that guide our, our culminating period of life, our, our fullness of life, our adulthood, and then our waning years, right? So we have those and we have those stars that also form our, uh, the ones that you wouldn't see because they would be in the dark, um, but they form our uh, foundation, right? Your roots, kind of looking at those to be the ones that are the ancestral guides for us. So it is a very interesting um, study to look at the stars. And we're going to bring in that more and more into 2022. Now, Tom is asking for us to pull a card for the solstice. Uh, what card? Corey, what would you think? Dragons, angels, Mayan, uh, spirit animal. What's your preference? Um, maybe Mayan. I think that's a good choice too. Okay. Yeah. And while you're doing that, Janet, I do, I just want to say thank you for having me on. You know, I feel like in the past, since I've been listening, you've been very helpful and instrumental in helping me kind of get oh. to know myself a little bit more. So I appreciate thank you. That. It's always good to have you. It's good to have all of you. 
it would be fun if we could all every day get like this, get together and just all be on camera with one another. I think Zoom probably would be the only way we could do that. I'm not sure StreamYard allows that. Um, so let me uh, pull a card for us for the solstice. This deck, remember the other day, one just popped out. I didn't even have to go looking, but oh, there you go. Uh, Khan. Oh, I love it. Uh, Khan is one of the day signs, and it is the representation of the seed. So Khan energy. Khan. My son, Brian, who passed away this summer, his sign was Khan. Is this a message from him for us? Let's see, because I don't doubt that he is out there at times leading and guiding. Uh, so Khan, let's see, it's earlier in the round. And it will be our guiding card for the solstice. No, Khan, maybe you were further than I thought. Ah, there you are. Okay. So Khan is seed, corn, or iguana. <laughs> iguana. Its qualities are the seed, the seeding of manifestation, self-germination, creation, fertile ground, gestation, opening, erupting possibilities, acting from inspiration, initiating creative ideas, and developing confidence. Ooh, sounds good. And in the potency of my realm are the seeds of your visions and dreams gently nurtured, for they awaken the sleeper and illumine the great mystery. Receiving con indicates that now is an auspicious time to plant the seed of some intention, project, or dream. Now is the time to act on your inspiration. Stop daydreaming and begin initiating your creative ideas. The energy of con asks you to look at the issue of receptivity, for seeds germinate best in a field of responsive surrender. What can you do to create the receptivity that will assist in the germination of your seed ideas? Remember that all seeds are self-germinated and that the realization of any dream starts with a simple thought. Don't get lost in the entire process of manifestation. Just begin by seeding your heart's desire. Feel the possibility of your dream seed emerging. Your life is the receptive soil. Plant a seed in that fertile field. Begin. Take the first step. The result will naturally blossom in the light of your willingness to start. All seeds hold the holographic power of their own completion. Khan represents the power that directs the vital processes of an organism toward wholeness. Continue on this journey of manifestation by following your deepest feelings and dreams. The shadow wisdom, the sleeper must awaken. Oh my God. We, we said this earlier, right? It was like the, the whole theme of the winter solstice with that Eastern hemisphere focus is about waking up, right? Getting, get awake. Uh, it says, are you a sleeper who wants to remain protected and seemingly invulnerable? Are you unconsciously limiting yourself by supporting the illusion of safety and security in the apparent protection of your shell? Be willing to break the constraining shells of self-concepts and life structures. Be freed of old patterns and beliefs that once provided safety and move forward into new possibilities. Beyond the confines of security and the routine patterns of life, unknown possibilities beckon. Look at how you may be limiting your natural growth. Don't wait for what seems like the perfect conditions to plant your seeds. Now is the season. 
Cultivate the seeds. You are the receptive soil. Your joyful desire will naturally draw its own support. All your dreams and desires lie within you to be awakened. The answer is inside, not outside. Remember that seeds contain the complete hologram of the whole and that within the process of growth, answers and insights are always offered. Plant your intentions. They will quicken, guide, and manifest the mysteries held in your depth. Perfect. I couldn't have planned that better. Yeah, um, that was perfect. <laughs> right? It happens like this always to me. It just seems like the cards that come out are just so magical. I mean, I wouldn't have thought to bring out the Mayans today, but there they are with the perfect message for all of us. Yeah, I was. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Again, thank you. And also, I was um, I was trying to add a comment through YouTube, and I wasn't able to. A couple, um, Asa was asking for how to get in contact with me with me, so everybody can email me. It's c o r i at writeandvibe.com. So Corey, Corey at, at writeandvibe.com. Yeah. Hold on. Not sure. At writeandvibe.com. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that yep. gets posted Perfect. out to both um, YouTube and Facebook. So if you want to reach Corey, that's how you do it. Thank if you, you need inspiration, reach out to Corey. <laughs> if you want to write a book, do you take in new authors? I do. I do. I'm almost full for next year um, because I've also listened to you and doing more about uh, being more selfish and doing what I want to do. So self-centered. Um, Yes, yeah, self-centered. So I only have like a couple more openings for next year. Well, if you are a budding author, talk to Corey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys take care. Have a great day. I will see you on Friday, Christmas Eve. Uh, Pia and Colin will be joining us. And uh, we'll get to talk all about what does the Pleiadian Earth energy look like as we move into uh, the Christmas season and into New Year's. Thank you again. Mwah. Much love to all of you. See you Friday. Bye, Corey. Bye-bye.